Welcome to our latest Employment Law Copy Break podcast. I'm Catherine Shepherd, a knowledge lawyer in Osborne Clark's employment team, and I'm joined today by my colleague Cass Sadler-Smith. With fire and rehire practices in the spotlight and businesses reviewing their operations and working practices in light of COVID and in response to other drivers such as increasing digitalisation, today we wanted to look at the legal and practical considerations for employers when changes to terms and conditions are proposed. Cath, turning first to fire and rehire, which is the term that's been used to describe the practice where an employee who fails to agree new terms during their employment is dismissed by the employer and offers employment on those new terms. We looked in an earlier coffee break at ACAS's review of this practice. Have there been any developments? Thanks, Catherine. Yes, the government asked ACAS to review the practice of fire and rehire in light of concerns that it was essentially being used to diminish employee rights via the back door. The report's now been made public and off the back of it, we understand the government's asked ACAS to provide some further guidance that encourages good workplace practices when employers are negotiating staff contracts. So we're not expecting any new legislation banning this in practice? No, that's right. So whilst the government has stated it considers the use of fire and rehire to be unacceptable as a negotiation tactic and that it should only really be used as a last resort, at least for the time being, they're not planning to introduce new legislation. There is a private members bill which seeks to ban this practice and it's making its way through Parliament at the moment, but we'll have to see how far that gets. And hasn't the uh, practice of fire and rehire also come under scrutiny in the courts recently? Yes, in Scotland, a temporary injunction was issued back in February, I think, to stop a fire and rehire process. And in that case, the unions were arguing that there was an agreement in place that the only circumstances in which a particular payment could be removed was if it was agreed by the union or the individual employees through negotiation. Obviously, the facts of each case need to be carefully considered. But what this really highlights is that employers have to give careful consideration before they decide to go down the fire and rehire route. So where employers are looking to change terms and conditions now, what should they be thinking about? Well, I think in the current climate, it's more important now than ever to take a step back when you're approaching any um, proposed change to terms. Whilst the business impact is inevitably going to be the key driver in the proposals, employers have also got to remember the potential impact the change might have for the employee personally, whether it's their finances, how, where they work, the duties they're asked to undertake. And COVID's put mental health and well-being very high on business agendas. So that factors into how you're going to need to approach this. And of course, um, you've got to remain alert to legal claims, uh, principally discrimination and breaches of trust and confidence. And just to flag here, special consideration is needed when you're looking to change terms Um, that have been collectively bargained with trade unions or where they're proposed in connection with a cheapy transfer. Thanks, Kath. It's it's easy to see how approaching any changes the wrong way could quite quickly escalate into some unwelcome practical and legal issues for an employer. Yes, and it 
it can also be quite easy to get off unwittingly on the wrong foot. So we do see employers considering to changes which they've assumed are non-contractual and don't therefore require employee consent. In fact, terms um, sometimes have obtained contractual status through custom and practice or perhaps a verbal agreement between the employee and their manager. And in those cases, of course, will be necessary to get the employee's consent. Thanks. So where a contract um, you know, does need consent to be changed, um, I've seen it's quite common in employment contracts to reserve some form of right to make changes, you know, perhaps either to a specific term or via a general provision purporting to allow an employer to introduce the change. Do those provisions actually help at all? They can in some circumstances, but with some quite serious caveats. So remember, even if there's a specific right to make an amendment that's been reserved, um, classic examples of giving an employee additional duties or perhaps moving their place of work. It's still subject to the implied term of trust and confidence that essentially an employer has to act reasonably in the circumstances. So um, where a generic right to amend exists, you've got to be aware that these clauses are going to be very carefully scrutinised by the courts and they're really only likely to be upheld for very minor changes and those that aren't going to be detrimental to the employee. And where a contractual change is proposed, do you have any sort of top tips for how an employer should go about it? Yeah, tip two really. So the first, um, talk to your employees. So getting employed buy-in is by far the best way of bringing about a change. And it also gives you the opportunity to identify particular concerns. So does the proposed change particularly impact on a group with a protected characteristic, for example, which could leave you vulnerable to a discrimination claim? And use your staff forums as sounding boards for this uh, opportunity to talk to your employees. And secondly, um, make sure you do listen to the responses coming back. So where concerns are raised, either by your employees or your employee representatives or staff forum, make sure these are being given some serious consideration. Thanks. And just picking up on that, there was a recent employment tribunal case, wasn't there, where an employer simply ran with its proposals to introduce a new term. And the employment tribunal there accepted that the employer had, I think it was sort of you know, sound and sort of good business reasons, but it still found the employee's dismissal was unfair as the employer had failed to stop and listen properly to the employee. Yeah, exactly. So that case is quite interesting. It rose out of the COVID pandemic and the employer wanted to introduce a contractual term reserving the right to reduce pay and potentially place the employee on furlough at any point within the next nine months. And the tribunal did have some sympathy for the employer. And in fact, in this case, the employer was the only one to object within the business, but the employer just hadn't considered her representations for objecting carefully. Um, including the fact that she hadn't ruled out accepting the term later down the line when it in fact became a necessity. So where an employee does object, even after proper consultation, you know, what, what can an employer do? Well, if they object and you can't reach a voluntary agreement, it's going to be necessary to consider entering into some form of more formal consultation with the employee and potentially terminating their employee and their employment and offering them employment on the new terms. But this process is definitely not without risk, both from a legal and employee relations perspective. And as we've been discussing, it is a practice that's now coming under increasing public scrutiny. 
Um, as well as the potential unfair dismissal and discrimination claims, it's important to remember that the collective consultation rules are going to be triggered if the proposals mean that you're proposing to dismiss 20 or more employees within a 90 day period. And it's really important to collectively consult when it's triggered because an employment tribunal can make a protective award of up to 90 days pay for each employee if you don't comply with the collective consultation requirements. Thanks, Kath. I know that many employers are currently looking at their employment contracts in light of the COVID pandemic. So that, that's really helpful and really highlights the sort of practical and legal risks there. Is there anything else employers should finish about, uh, think about before we wrap up? Yeah, I think there's probably one final point from me, and that's for employers to remember if you're to, if you are reviewing your employment contracts, it's a really good opportunity to make sure you take a look at your restrictive covenants and make sure that they're still fit for purpose and um, cover you for the role the employee's currently in. Um, we're particularly conscious that many employees may have taken on new roles and responsibilities in light of the pandemic. So now is a good opportunity to get those restrictions reviewed. Thanks, Kath. There's, there's certainly a lot to think about. Uh, I think you, you were talking about helping the business recover, protecting it for the future, retaining good employment relationships, keeping employees motivated um, and obviously protecting employer brand. It, it's a really careful balancing act. Um, please do contact us or your usual Osborne Clark contact if you'd like to discuss any of the issues we've talked about today further. We do hope that you found this podcast helpful and thank you for listening today.